Welcome to Penny Talks Golf, powered by Fork Golf Custom. If you're looking for a tour-level experience in custom fitting your golf clubs, look no further than Derek and Dave and family in Killeen Castle. Um, I get fit there. Half the world gets fit there. Seamus Power gets fit there. Hey, I'm Seamus Power on the PGA Tour. If you're looking for the best golf club reviews out there on YouTube, just check out the guys at Fork Golf Custom. They've custom fit my golf clubs for years, and they're the best in the business. So like Seamus says, if you haven't heard of them or if you're aware of getting custom fit, head over to their YouTube channel, Fork Golf Custom on YouTube, and you actually find out a lot about what they're about, about how they assess golf clubs, how they assess golfers, and what type of experience you can look forward to by going there. Derek has been phenomenal in the support of this show, and he's the reason that we get some such good giveaways as well over on Instagram and here, and also in the Beyond Scratch uh, email every every Sunday so if you're not signed up to that please do all those things you can check out on Paddy Talks Golf Instagram Twitter Facebook and um, and the website which surprise surprise is paddytalksgolf.com now that's enough of the plugin okay you press play because you saw something of interest either you're a weekly listener which by the way thank you very much if you are but if you aren't then hopefully this week is your first of many there's 129 episodes before this and hopefully oh, many more afterwards. Uh, it's Gareth McNeely, team captain of the Elga Golf Ireland team, a fierce competitor himself and a great story of um, his journey in golf through accident and then getting back into golf. All right, roll it there, kill it. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's well, Joe Bradley? What did he get at? Donald Donovan is the left quarterback. He hits it. He hits it. What? It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. We'll get started. We'll get started. Gareth McNeely, are you ready to tee it up? I sure am. Bring it on, Paddy. Who are you and where are you from? So I'm Gareth McNeely. I'm now 46. I'm from County Antrim in the north of this great island and I play my golf at Mazarine. I had a motorbike accident uh, 18 years ago. I lost my right leg above the knee then. I was amputated that night, actually. And I played golf as a junior at Mazarine. And I'm come back playing golf for about six years. Rejoined Mazarine June 2016. That's 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 a lot of information in the elevator pitch, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's start with uh, whatever I was going to say. Whether well, there was a crash and there was an amputation. So, um, how the hell did that happen? I love motorbikes from no age. Um, we love a road racing up here in the north and you know, I was going and watch the race with my dad and my uncles and granda. Always fancied a bike. Um, got a first wee bike, passed my test. And then I sold it to get a sports bike. So we fast forward to 31st of July 2004 and myself and three other lads went for a run down the coast to Newcastle, County Down. And the throttle stuck open in the bike as I was pulled away from a set of traffic lights. So no memory of it all over very quickly. Um, the guys with me gave me the initial first aid, got me stabilised. As I say, the surgeon told my parents 
that night that the knee was so badly damaged it would have to come off um, one operation and one operation has been, you know, I've had a if, if you spoke to the physios and, and the people who look after me at Musgrave Park Hospital in Belfast, my recovery was textbook, you know. So we haven't really looked back, Paddy. You know, it's just been, it's it's a strange one. Nearly forget what life was like before, you know. Um, but it's good now and lots of opportunities with golf. And yeah, just taking everything I can. How old were you when the throttle on the bike got stuck? 28. So still a young cub, full of dreams. <laughs> So 28 with two legs and then 28 years with two legs. I'm trying to do the math and 18, 18 with yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Gone quick. Really has gone quickly. Were you, who made the decision that, yeah, it's to be amputated, the doctors, your parents, or were you, were you involved? Did you even know? Or were no, you I was, I was, I was out of it. Um, the bottom of my leg was off in the boot at the same so um, the decision was the surgeons to take the knee off because, as I say, the knee was really badly damaged. And, um, I came around the next evening in the hospital and my sister sat in my bedside. My instant reaction was, what's our Helen doing in my bedroom? And then I said to her, I've got a wild cramp in my right leg. Would you turn my toes up? And that was the first she said, do you not remember what happened? You know, and that was, that was how I found out. So she's a nurse, so she broke it to me. She broke it to me well. Okay. Can you remember the, like how you felt about it? Well, you, you saw that, well, you'd imagine if you came off a bike, there's an element of shock. So if you saw that your foot over there still attached to a boot on a bike, I, you probably didn't take it in. Or... I have no memory of it at all. And what the boys did, one of the boys lay across my chest and stopped me looking down. So they were keeping me, they were keeping me lying on the ground and just from seeing anything and say, I have no memory. First reaction when I came around and Helen told me what had happened was, all right. And, and that's, it's as strange as an, an all right, because I had that much morphine in me. I, I, you know, I really didn't know, I really didn't know what, what um, planet was on, I guess, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an initial um huge devastation or or anything like that you know i think having say that love of motorbikes and, and road racing especially you know when you come off a motorbike on an open road that things could can be really bad you know so um the helmet had a, a bit of a crack in the back of it so it actually has done its job and kept the brain right and that's that's the main thing you know so no bad memories of it at all what's the rehab like for going into uh into an, orth- an orthopedic, it's not an orthopedic yeah. leg, is it? Yeah. It's an orthopedic. Uh, I was yeah. an engineer back in the day. Back in the day, I was an engineer. Um, and I did work in the Dupuy orthopedic plant in Ring of Skiddy. So if you needed a knee, <laughs> I could have recommended one. But you didn't need a knee, you needed an entire leg. So yes. what's, the, what's the process for getting a new leg? It's, um, I was quick, but to me it felt slow because I was otherwise fit and healthy. A lot of people who, I wouldn't have known this, but a lot of people who lose limbs, lose them by diabetes and bad circulation. So I had a month in the Ulster Hospital in Dundonald, three weeks at home to let the swelling and the stump go down and then up to Musgrave Park to start. And you've such a dedicated team there and you go in Monday to Friday. They only allow you two hours. So I was up for a morning and an afternoon session, but the physios, you know, they, they really do know what they're doing. And um, 
yeah, two hours a day for about 10 weeks, um, getting used to it, the fittings, uh, adjustments, more um, fittings, and walking between two bars. And so the accident... Like you've seen the movies. Yes. The accident <laughs> was the 31st of July, and the first time I walked outside the bars on the end, it was the 12th of October. So it really was. It was really quick, but as I say, it felt, it felt slow enough to me, you know, because it was... Just let let me um, let me get on with this, you know. But no, it's I have to say it's my recovery has been really good. We'll go back in time a little bit um, because the shock factor of the elevator pitch with the crash and amputation threw me <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> threw me off the general flow of these episodes. Gareth, what was what's your earliest memory of golf? Watching the Open with my dad. Um, Invariably, probably was Savvy that we were they were keeping an eye on. I remember when in in eighty eight it was twelve then, but I, I would have um, watched Savvy before that. So my dad was a um, big sports fan, but he always he always loved the four majors. They would have been the only golf bets we'd have done in the year. You know, it was we'd get somebody on starting with the Masters, and yeah, but I would say the Open in the mid eighties is is the earliest memory. So was it a golfing household then that the the four majors were on? No, very, very sporty, very sporty household, but um, no golfers, um, not even among my uncles or aunts. Dad grew up beside a golf course, and I think he was a member for one year, but he realized when he was a kid he could make more money caddying. So he, 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 did, a bit, he did a bit of caddying. Um, he was a big GA man, and one of the few men in this town, actually, that played for the Gaelic club, the rugby club, and the local soccer club. He was just, just sport mad, you know. So mum loves her sports, so that came to us early, you know, it was just household deadly so what level of golf did you get to pre coming off the bike 14 so just playing playing for the enjoyment it was off 14 when I was about 17 um those days you know the good players of Mazarin good juniors would have been off sort of five or six you know so 14 didn't seem too bad but I knew it wasn't um it wasn't a Fred Daly player or, or or anything like that, you know, but just we had 30, 40 lads down there in the summer, every Thursday a competition, you know, and it was it was good crack and um good fun to be to be about Mazarin in those days. And then you got into bikes and then you came off the bike and then it took three months to get back on two feet. Yes. And then I read, because contrary to popular opinion, I do some amount of preparation for these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> I just try not ask the same questions you might even ask in other publications and podcasts. Um, there was, you couldn't, or you didn't play golf for a while after the, with the, we'll say prosthetic leg number one because of its inflexibility and you went swimming instead and you yes. became quite an accomplished swimmer. It started, started to go swimming just for the fitness because, of, you know, I'm six foot four, big lad, big appetite, and being at home, one leg was just piling the weight on, you know. So, started to get to the pool. And funny story, mom sent dad with me the first night to make sure I didn't, you know, was getting in and out in the crutches and make sure I didn't fall and wreck myself again, you know. So, first night he was with me, and we did four lengths. Like, I'm out thinking, brilliant, I'll do six the next night and just built it up from built up from that. And I actually got into a really competitive thing with myself, just putting the watch on. And all I really did in the pool was count my strokes, count my lengths, and concentrate and relax breathing, you know. And, and very quickly we get to, I was doing a couple of thousand meters in 35 minutes or so, you know, and really enjoying it. And got the opportunity to go to Stoke Mandeville 
summer 2010 to the UK Amity Games and enjoyed it over there. Got a couple of medals, but it was never the next step of swimming, as you know, was a young person's game. So there was no, at early 30s, there was no Paralympic thoughts or anything like that. It was just, you know, swimming to to keep fit and have fun. There was a few triathletes that, that trained up in the, the pool, um, up in the Hilton and Tim Patrick and Used to, you know, if you turned together, it was a race to the other end without anybody ever mentioning anything. You know, it was a few boys get a few shocks when we stopped the chat and realised that I'd only one propeller. So, but no, really enjoyed this. We've been haven't haven't actually been back in the pool since COVID, but we do miss it. So, advancement in technology meant you could return to the golf course, right? So, what's the difference between the prosthetic leg one and the one you have these days? Prosthetic leg one had a knee with three settings that were controlled just by tightening and loosening the Allen key, three different bolts, and that controlled how um, quickly the leg moved through. Fast forward to the one I have now, it's, it's called a C-leg um, by Autoblock, and it has sensors in the knee and sensors in the foot. It just gives you more stability. So if I, for example, early on when I was back in the office, I took a step backwards to turn with the first leg and it just buckled below me. This um, this leg has much more awareness, let's just say, and would allow you to, even for example, you know, you you you, you get. I don't kneel down, but I bend down to line up a putt, and when you back off the putt to look at it, I can comfortably do that with this leg, um, knowing that it will be below me when I need it to be below me. And I guess you know, the first leg was a, was a very good initial start, but um, this was progress, and we're lucky here. One of the small positive points of the troubles here in the north is we have amazing orthopedics teams with ex- skills and experience, and they're also they get good budgets, uh, and us motorbike riders keep them busy as well. You know, so they they're always very helpful and very quick to come with new um, new products, new options um, for me to try, and I will we'll be forever grateful for that. You know. So how does it help you play golf? As I stand over the ball, Paddy, I don't feel any sort of disability. I've got a what they call a torque absorber in the leg just above the ankle, and that allows a bit of twist. And along with the natural twist of my stump inside the socket, I can get to the top of the backswing in a comfortable comfortable way. And then, um, yeah, as I I come through, my weight's being a right-handed golfer and a right leg amputee my weight's coming on to my good side so yeah it's uh, once I'm out there and I'm, I'm focused I don't even think about it it's just it's the it's the extra foot I needed to balance myself on. and that's the way that's the way I look at it and as you know yourself there's a couple of really top golfers in the world that play one-legged Wampus Stego being the most famous and I've, I've tried it and it's just it feels impossible I don't know how they do it, never mind how they strike the ball so well. So I'm thankful to have a really good <laughs> second <laughs> foot available to me. Yeah, because I was just thinking there, like how do you like weight shift, pivot and turn on something that maybe is a level, like somewhat immobile or does it, does it move independent to the rest of the orthopedic, like the prosthetic leg, the actual knee part? There's a bit of twist, as I say, in the socket because I'm I'm in there with a liner um, and it's held on by suction. And there's a bit of twist in the um, angle. I would say 
back in a few years ago, stack and tilt was a popular um golf um swing strategy or setup. And I probably would be a bit a bit like that. I find most awkward the downhill slope. Um we but, all do. Yeah. We all do. Is that is that <laughs> Mazarin has, <laughs> has quite a large slope on the seventh there. And if I don't give the drive away well and you're halfway down, you know, you're closed facing the seven and just helping it to the bottom of the hill, you know. But that's really the that's really the only time. Or getting in and out of a really steep bunker, you know, I might need somebody to give me a, a pull up out of it. But other than that, we're we're, we're good. So you got back golfing and you joined Mazarin again. At what point, so what, what was the compelling event to go down the Edgar route and like high com, high, com, high competitive golf? I saw a tweet um, from Edgar and I've always had this competitive thing, but it's always been with myself. It's never it's never been needing to beat you, my sister, anybody else. It's just Gareth trying to be the best I can possibly be. And I thought um, I'd like a piece of this. And that was probably about um May 2017 and I noticed that the Scottish disabled open was at Fairmont St Andrews. So St Andrews bit plucked my um ears up right away. I, I, I hadn't heard of Fairmont. So but um went over there. I had an absolute ball. You know, you're playing golf, two great courses, staying in a five-star hotel. One of the great things about the Edgar events is that they tend to host them on courses that have the on-site hotel and the fees for the golf and the fees for the hotel for the three days are always very reasonable. You know, they're pleased to, they're pleased to see us. So went to St Andrews and shot a lovely net 68 and led after day one and thought, here we go. And then had two disasters, day two and three, and finished, I think, ninth. I remember ringing Johnny Foster on the way down the road from to the boat, Stranraer, and telling him about it and, and just telling him, right, I'm hooked. You know, I need more of this, you know, and... I'm still chasing that elusive um, individual win. Um, I've had a couple of chances of led after day one, so I, I need to um, I need to get over that um, Butler status that I have in my head. How do you know Johnny Foster? Met Johnny Foster twenty odd years ago. Um, mutual friend worked at the airport, and back in those days, we were all young and running to Belfast at the weekends and. Got to know him then and um, stayed in touch. And then once I got back to golf, then played a bit more with him. Johnny's good man for a day trip to Bali, Liffin or Ross Pena or, or somewhere somewhere nice. And um, yeah, he's helped me out with my game. And if you see a lot of the early photographs of me at tournaments, I would always have Johnny's clothing on, giving them a wee, a wee um, shout out. So yeah, he's been very good to me. Uh, always a good lad to spend time with. He's a very funny guy and plenty of stories. So. And quite an esteemed coach, having coached, you know, I'd, I'd rank himself and Craig as one oh, of the best yeah. coaches in, on, on the island of Ireland. So, and he, he still he, he doesn't go for hybrids or stuff. He still carries a three iron, and I tell you, when he hits that three iron, the sound of it's just different. You know, he can play still. So, um, you know, he's 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 great fun to spend time with. So, Edgar caught the interest, and the competitive nature is there. Um, for people that uh, don't know. Um, and who haven't listened to the episode of Brennan Lawler earlier this year, um, because he's pro. So what's the difference between, is there a difference between egg uh, tournaments for pros and egg tournaments for people with handicaps set as amateurs? Edgar runs three tournaments within one every event. So you have a, 
you have a gross tournament up to the 10.4 sort of around that depending on the number of players you end up Stableford from there to 18.5 and then above 18.5 you have or sorry you have Net from 10.5 to 18.5 then you have Stableford so you have three winners um, three equally worthy champions and some events then depending on the number of wheelchair players that event and might have a wheelchair um have a wheelchair trophy as well you know so in that um and like maybe enough 12 at the minute they i'm still i'm still with rank in the gross even though i i, I know in being america if i was to um finish in, in a um, top three position there but then that's very competitive there's a lot of there's a lot of good golfers there in the in the middle of the um road section you know so yeah it's it's it, and it's great that because um, people see Edgar and they see Brendan and the guys at the events of the European Tour and they maybe think it is a bit elite but there's an opportunity for a 30 handicapper to come out there play to their handicap and come away as the Irish Open champion or the Scottish Open champion or whatever and that, to me that's the, that's where we can grow this game the most I 100% agree because what's been done on the the, the pro side as we would say is, is a lot of visibility around uh, you know pop art and Lawler and um, I think it's six or seven tournaments that are now synced with the DP World Tour schedule. Um, the winner of the Edgar Tour tournament, there's a prize pot for them. Um, but the winner then plays in the actual tournament, I think. And that might be something for next year. Um, but it's that seeing if you don't see it, you can't be, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so um, like you saw it on a tweet and given their sporting nature, you wanted to get involved, but for people, um, you know, wheeling themselves down the streets or, or, or whatever, aided or unaided, they have something to see. It's in the news. Um, you were in the news a lot uh, around July time because uh, you were the Edgar team captain of the winning team that went to the European Championships, correct? Yes, that was um, was really, really, first of all, a real honour to to be asked to captain Ireland, you know, at the start of the year. Said who did you pay? Who did, who, did, who did you pay? Who, who did you give the brown envelope I, to? I had to a bang Neil Manship and Jerry Hullohan from Golf Ireland, a nice lunch, but <laughs> we'll keep that to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, at the start of the year, I fancied my chances of being in the team. You know, we, at that stage, um, EGA running the European Team Championships um, was amateur only. So we didn't, we didn't realise we'd have... We'd have Brendan. Um, Connor Stone had played a couple of times and um, hadn't had his disability signed off. So we, we didn't realise we could have him. And then Aidan Brennan came out to Portugal in, in February and won the net. And we hadn't heard of Aidan either. So all of a sudden you had, you had three new players um, to consider. So um, that was me down the back in order. So i say Neil and Jerry asked me if I would... Um, consider captaining the team and step out from the trials and and you know pick the team and and um it was you know it was just you realize then the standard of the player that, that has that has come to this because of because of Brendan as you say people are seeing what he what he has the opportunities he's had how well he has done and these younger guys they want a piece of the piece of the action, you know. So at 46 now, I'm the elder statesman, sort of hoping to guide them along and encourage and encourage as many more of him to come and join us is, is, is the way I see it. So how did you go about putting together a team that won by what 25 shots? <laughs> um <laughs> we organized trials at Carton. 
So we trials at um trials down there on two separate days, both courses. Um the lads did well, you know, and picking a team was hard. We left good players at home, you know, Keen Arthur's um from Rogan's Town's a world one arm champion, you know, and at the start of the year he'd have probably been in there around probably first pick. He suffered with an injury and just um at the trials just came at the wrong time for him. You know, when Alan Gaynor came across from Sligo and had two really solid rounds and, and, and just left us no option but to pick him. You know, these guys, Alan and Connor, uh, uh, Aidan, they've, they've really good experience playing the amateur stuff at home for their clubs. And, you know, they come prepared to they come prepared to win. And yeah, it wasn't easy. I say hardest phone call, one of the hardest things I've had to do. The worst thing about being the captain was, was phoning the lads to tell them that, that they hadn't made the team, you know. But hopefully, you know, it'll encourage them to keep going, keep keep working hard and, and, and we'll get more opportunities. Absolutely. Well, it was the first time an Irish team participated and the second time an Irish team will go, they'll be defending. So that's always good to hear, isn't it? It's funny because once I once we announced the team, I started to get messages from guys from other companies, English guys and different guys be friendly. Say your team is really strong, you know, you have a real chance here. And I knew it was strong, but you don't really know, especially in that first day in the foursomes, you don't know how how um, things would go. But the second day, the the four ball it just really gelled well together. You know, they, they put a big hitter. With a, a good short game man and a just you know short par fours, hit the first man down the middle and then the big hitter have a rattle at the green, you know. And, and who was the big hitter, Lawler? Uh, no, be. no, he was actually to find the fairway man and put him with um, put him with Aiden Brennan. Aiden can hit up at three hundred easy, maybe further. Um, and put um, Connor who hits a big as well with with Alan and Alan is a great short game, you know. So the second day they just they took it away from everyone. It was just then a matter of making sure we go out in singles day and everybody was focused. And the best bit about that was that the singles was actually world ranking points. They run it as a, as a singles competition. So they were then playing against each other. Um, and, you know, that kept any complacency right out of it, you know. So, well, exceptional experience. And, and Gulf Ireland behind us from the start. And I could see the boys growing, you know, they, when they were given their kit, um, the kids, every, everything's the same as the senior men's team. Then you it's have slick, isn't it? Yeah, it is fast. slick. And then you have Neil Manship, um, giving us his time, um, I say for the trials days, um, in a message group with the lads. And then he decided to come out. He couldn't stay the whole tournament, but he came out the first couple of days, got everybody settled, walked the course with the guys, made sure they were ready. And they just, you know, they ran from the first tee, and it was such an experience. And, Say yeah, we'll be defending in two years' time, and we don't know whether we get the chance to be the hosts, but that would be nice. But we haven't heard anything like that yet. I read an article of you a couple of years ago, and was it a couple of years ago? Twenty twenty, I think, was the date, and it might have been Irish golfer, our friends there, Pete Finnan and Co. Um, and you had a couple of goals. Then one was to beat your your pre your what do you call it pre-crash or post-crash or do you have like your own nickname for it um i would say um i post-crash yeah yeah so pre-crash you wanted you played a 14 i think yes, as a yes. junior so you wanted to beat that and you wanted to see um an egg irish open yes. so you dropped already in our conversation you play off 12 yes goal number one hit yeah and and there was a is it edga or ega I want to get the terminology right. There are both. EDGA, Edgar, was the European Disabled Golf Association, but it's grown bigger than that now with 
South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Japan have all signed up. So just go with um, uh, getting an EDA is the European Golf Association. They ran the the team, gotcha. they ran the team championship. So there are both, yeah. So yeah, I we started this season at nine or eleven point nine, thinking nine was an was an option, and I've been tortured with asthma all summer, so I haven't played anywhere near anywhere near as much as I'd have liked. So the handicaps sort of stayed pretty pretty static. I haven't got. My favourite time to play, I, I love an evening, going down at 7 o'clock to Marsway and play maybe the back nine. And, and it's just peaceful and there's not many about. And with a new app, we last summer we were declaring a lot of nine holes on the app, myself and my friend here, and we were really competitive with each other and you know, put some good scores in. Just didn't get happening this year. So um, fast forward next year and we'll see, we'll see how we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but there was... Um, an Irish Open for players with disabilities in Roggenstown. So that was goal number two. Was was that the first one this year? That's first the first one. one yeah. The inaugural. Yeah. Up in Roggenstown in North Dublin. And I'm just checking here um, for like the course info to find the overall yardage. So it was played over, trying to do my maths here. Just shy six about six thousand yards. Yeah, so that's respectable enough. But yeah, the, that, the reason I say that is the winning score over two rounds was one over. Yeah. <laughs> so like nice. it's it is quality golf. The standard the standard is re- is really really good. Aiden was actually unlucky there. Aiden Aiden was in with a chance right to the end. He'd hold him on at seventeen. He he, he leapt out for eagle in eighteen. He would he would have maybe got Brad Smith to a, a playoff. But I was going to miss it. I got COVID myself. And then the um, the asthma um, flared up after that, so I was down and watched, but I didn't. Um, I wasn't fit enough to play, so that was the real frustration, you know, that the inaugural one and to not be there. But if you take it back to myself and Brendan and our friend Trevor Helen from Donaghadee, who passed away sadly last year, we had a meeting with Gulf Union of Ireland and with Anne and and the guys from CGI. December 2018, and and like we knew five Irish golfers that were playing Edgar. And fast forward to Roganstown, and over 30 Irish golfers applied to to come. Um, and yeah, just just to see that, and you know, you've everything from you've young kids to you, you know, you've you've guys in the latter stages of life. And the big thing we need to do now is find more lady, more lady players because. Um, Paralympics down the line is looking like if it gets approved, it'll be a mixed team. So, got to find maybe maybe even ladies with a disability that might have played other sports when they were younger, or maybe ladies who've acquired a disability that hadn't thought of golf. But that's something that's a big push for us now going forward. How supportive has Golf Ireland been? Or the second question would be uh, you can answer that one first, but then the follow on question would be something like, Pre Brendan Lawler, have you seen a difference in how disability golf is seen in general compared to how it is seen now? Go with the has Golf Ireland been supportive, and if so, how supportive? Yeah, incredibly, incredibly supportive. As I say, the first conversation I had were with Al McCormick and Rory Leonard, and they just got it. Um, I'd say that's sort of four and a half years ago now. Um, we had the with the commitment of disability um, golf as one of the pillars of the new golf Ireland. So new golf Ireland came at the right time with a commitment this year of funding. I'm not exactly sure the figure, but the funding involved not only our team to fully support it to go to Belgium, but we had um, the opportunity for 
the Edgar players to apply for coaching, individual coaching at Carden with Niall and the guys. We had opportunity for groups to, like, so there's a Parkinson's group, the blind group that took up the offer of some coaching support as well. And clubs also had the opportunity of applying for funding to become hubs where their own coach or people dedicated volunteers at the club could um, get some coaching for uh, people of any sort of special um, need or disability, you know, so all that, all that's been a large, has been a large commitment this year. And, and I think very successful, and, uh, you know, the, the nice aspect going forward is we do go into any meetings as European champions and that, you know, that's a nice negotiating point to have, you know, and as I say, in terms of um, visibility, Brendan definitely took it to a different level. I was only started a year when, when when he came along and just his ability, his golf, his personality, everything about him is just infectious. Um, I, was going, he, I was going to say he is infectious. Yeah, you know, I, was, and, I got to play nine holes at him earlier this year and he is, he just... And he's so much time, for, he's so much time for the other players. Um, and the great thing about him is he's so down to earth that he loved the team environment that we had in Belgium. You know, it wasn't about Brendan Lawler and three others. You know, we just just really um, fit it in. And uh, you know, um, but yeah, he's been the, he's been the one that people notice. Um, you know, I was down there. I was when I was a young lad. His name slips my mind. Ten or eleven. You know, in a wheelchair, loves his wheelchair hurling. But loves Brendan Lawler, you know, and, and he's been encouraged to um, lift the golf club and and try that as well, you know. So that's just so that's so good to that's so good to see. Like I I remembered his name uh, on the Lawler episode, but there was I I grew up playing golf in Hinch, and there was a fella from Lithuania Varna with with the stump of his arm, but just I think it was from birth, and he was playing F twelve. And he was only about twelve years old. Yeah, you know. it's incredible. There's there's a lad Tony Lloyd, a good lad from England, who plays with clubs as long as fishing rods, and he anchors under the left um, armpit, and he wants to see Tony hit a ball, and he stripes it, you know. And it's just he's the one we were on the range at the Portugal Masters. We we're out, four of us were out doing ambassador for Edgar, um twenty nineteen, and he's the one the pros just catch her eye. And I remember. Um, Nikolai Hoggard, I think it was definitely one of the Hoggard twins. I think it was Nikolai. He came over, and they won't be beaten until they they watch Tony stripe it, and then they they, they invariably they'll swipe and miss a few times. But the, you know you can see the competitiveness coming out. But there's many ways to hit a golf ball, as you know. There's many ways to get it around a, a course, and and it's it's the pleasure and enjoyment that people people get out of it. Ed gets competitive, but there's a real friendship and camaraderie among the players, and um, yeah, it's it's a good place to be. So what are you looking forward to over the next year to 24 months then for, for yourself and for Edgar Golf in Ireland? For myself, next up, Villa Sol, now down to Villa Mura next month, hoping to be fit enough to go and play. I missed three tournaments this year with illness. So down there, I led there by five shots three years ago after day one, a bit windy, and I, I put a lovely round together and just didn't happen in the second day. Um, Head went down a bit in the front nine, and really, if I'd, I'd made mistakes, but if I'd, if I'd sort of bogeyed my way around the back nine, it would have been enough. You know, the, the head was a bit down at that stage. So, down there, um, definitely would love to try and get the nine, love to be single figures, um, love to win an egg tournament, let's just say, you know, that competitive, that competitive things 
is really their um, chance to retain the European Championships there every two years, the team. So they have an individual event next year. Hopefully we'll be able to support and send whether it be a team of four or whether it be six. Um, it's the Netherlands next July. And in terms of Golf Ireland, um, growing the game, growing those hub clubs where people have done it really well in the north here with wheelchair basketball. People know where there's a club Say in Dublin, this particular club is very welcome and of all the facilities, there's easy access, stuff like that. That's a big thing. And then we would love to get a few more tournaments maybe throughout the country. Um, my dream would be to follow the um, north, south, east, west that we have in the in the amateur game. Um, certainly get a, um, if we could get those and we could get them with world ranking points and they get back and then give an opportunity for players who maybe have the time or, or resources to travel to get some more ranking points and, and maybe get a sniff at an Ireland team from just playing at home, you know. So and it's all, you know, we're all Brendan, as you said, has turned pro. The rest of us we funded by um bag borrowing and stealing, you know, we're lucky enough to some friends with businesses give us a wee bit of um give let's say my, my own um side of things, a wee bit of support. Family have always been been good, you know. So um it's a yeah, it's it's not cheap, but it, it it's very um it's very rewarding. And it's rewarding when you get a, a maybe a message on social media from somebody saying, I see what you're doing, how do I go about um how do I go about getting uh, um involved. So yeah, grow the game, I say 30 30 ice players this year. I think we had maybe about an entry of 48 in total. I would like the ice open to be fully fully subscribed next year. It was unfortunate this year class with the Dutch, so we didn't have too many European players able to travel or um, wanting to travel. So, yeah, but it's it's exciting times. You know, as I started, um, as, as I said, five years ago, I never expected it to... never expected it to get to um, this level um, as uh, as quickly, you know. For anyone listening who knows someone or is disabled or has kids or whatever, and they're like, this sounds good. How how do you get in? So I'll, I'll ask the awkward question, or it might not be politically correct. Like what level or types of disabilities get like get you in? And then how do you get in? Yeah, all you know, all sorts of um, disabilities are there, ranging you know from from blind through a lot of amputees, the, the wheelchair players, and then there's the whole sensory side um, of autism and, and the different, um, even, you know, the PTSD and maybe people who've served um, in the army or, or things like that or have, have been through a tough time. So and the way that works with Edgar is you can apply for an access pass, which is allow you to, allows you to play in any event and you can win that event. But until you've had a medical assessment by one of the EDGA assessors, then you're not um, eligible for world ranking points. And they assess you at a tournament. There's somebody like myself, you walk in, they take a box and say, yeah, you've, you've won leg. I'm led to believe for the um, sensory disabilities, there would be more um, notes and doctor's notes and involvement from consultants and that sort of thing. So that's how you get officially signed up to play. In terms of, um, you know, somebody maybe thinking about getting out there and, and, and giving it a go at home, maybe not start competitive with that. I always think the driving range is the best. You know, if you have a friend or family member could go there with you and just get used to hitting the ball on the flat on the flat surface and and reach out, you know, if you see any of the um you know you contact Gulf Island directly, you know, the, the their um, development officers would be are, are very helpful. But also, you know, if you if they see any of the disabled players on social media tweeting all the all the um 
well, the guys are only too happy to to help and to um, to encourage. You know, if, if somebody lives nearby or, or you know, fifth time, they'll, they'll, they'll spend the time with them. So, yeah, that's a big thing growing it, um, and and certainly growing up the game with people who have played before. Um, they've either get ill and and had an accident, and try and get them them back, and you know, even. Trevor Hillen was doing great work up in Donaghadee and, and he was bringing a man out for three holes because the man, and the man had given his membership up because he thought nine, he was in his eighties, nine was tough for him. But three holes just gave him that feeling that he was still playing golf. They jumped in the buggy, they came in and had a cup of tea or coffee and they went home happy. You know, and his daughter told Trevor that he was he, he got a new lease of life from it. So golf doesn't have to be 18 holes and winning and winning tournaments. Um as we know, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to it and the, that social side of it and the friendships that you can build are, are huge. No, it's massive. I, I've literally gone to golfireland.ie here and they get into golf section on the header. There's disability and inclusion there and you have beginner's guide, how to improve top tips, junior golf and disability inclusions at the bottom. And then it's all, all the links, all the groups, all the websites from there. And that you can find out more about it to get involved with, uh, um, and in, in those kind of micro communities, if you want to, yeah. if you want to know. And, and like I see game on all of them there, like I know, and you know, um, down in Kerry, Elaine is doing great work down there. And, um, you know, it's because the reason I asked the question on who gets in is because the spectrum are having autism or, or having, you know, a mental disability or whether it be PTSD or something is kind of like, oh, <laughs> it doesn't look disabled, you know, yeah. um, it looks totally normal. Um, but like people would know from my social feed about, about Christopher and, and having autism and how golf has opened up his eyes to, you know, he's at one golf camp and made three friends. He was in school eight years to make three friends. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was an hour to, at a kid's golf camp, a mainstream, you might say mainstream golf camp. Um, so it just kind of shows you how how strong golf is, especially for kids, or you might say for, for everyone, and um, for that social aspect of, you know, it gives them all common ground, I suppose. But um, but yeah, that's it's all there, golfireland.ie, or like you said, reach out to your yourself or or Brendan, or if you see it, ask a question, absolutely. Or if if you feel comfortable asking me, slide into the DMs, and I'll, I'll tell you where people, it goes. People, are, people are becoming more, more and more aware of it, um, and it's yeah, it's you know, don't think I would always say to people, don't think your disability's not big enough, especially in that that mental health. Um, That's what I was it. trying to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for for some people, it might be a huge thing to put their shorts and t-shirt and their hat on and, and even to turn up at the, at the tournament, you know, and you never know what they're going through. So I'd encourage anybody to, to think about it. And, 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 you know, obviously I'm competitive. You would get that feeling. Um, but just that social side of it is huge as well. If we could, um, if we could get enough communities of people that there are people in the South of Ireland or the West of Ireland that could be meeting for a game of golf and feel comfortable with, would you say, the new friends, then we're doing something right. Um, and that the clubs are aware that pe- people with a disability are not to be scared of. They're not people that are coming, they're going to be looking to claim off them because they fail or, or something. You know, it's... It, it, it's um, just that the, the golf is a welcoming sport and it's that sport that we all know you can play from your seven to your 90 and um, that option should be there for everyone. Absolutely. We're definitely speaking from this or singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, Garrett McNeely, quick fire Q&A. Are you ready for this? I sure am. 
What would your walk-on song be? It would be This Is The One by The Stone Roses and that's because United come out to that at Old Trafford. Love it. It gets me going. Class. Jim or pizza? The minute it's been pizza. <laughs> Should be Jim, but it's pizza. <laughs> Next time you're on Carton, let me know because I'll spin you down to Nice for what is positively the best pizza in the country. See I'm you Carton this Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> see, see you there. See you there. A hat visor or bucket hat? Hat. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore. Walk or cart? Love to walk. Still trying to do three or six holes at Mazarin, but yeah, cart I'm sort of um, stuck with and it means that you can finish your round of golf, you're comfortable and you can come in and enjoy your, your beer afterwards. So, Daily. Win the Open or win the Masters? Open. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. Play or practice? Play. So let's just say we're going to fast forward 22 months, 20 months, and you've retained the European Championships uh, for EGA, for either bringing it back to... Where, where, did you, where, did you, where did you bring it back to? Did you bring it back to Carton House? Is that the HQ? We didn't, even get, we didn't get a trophy. You not know that story? No, <laughs> no the, go on. What the, happened? Span, the Spanish damaged the trophy, and it's in a jewellers of Madrid, we're led to believe. With no, nobody has paid the bill to get it released. So the trophy we were awarded... <coughs> Excuse me. The trophy we were awarded was um, one of the club cups that they had in Belgium, the photographs, and then we gave it back. So we were very kindly invited to Ross's Point over to Alan Gainer's people, and we had a great weekend there and played some golf, some a lovely um, Saturday evening meal and reception, and a bit of a Q and A session. And they presented me with a cup which is about three inches tall, a little plastic one. So it has pride of place here at home. You can do shots from us. That's what you're saying. You can do yeah, shots from us. As yes, and as such, that's the only um, European Team Championship trophy we have. So we're sticking with it. So you've won the shot glass back, and um, you're planning dinner, and you can have whatever six people at the table with you. So who makes Gareth McNeely's candlelit dinner? Go with mum and dad, the great support, great inspiration to me. Dad passed away three years ago, but really big sport, sporty people. Roy Keane and Sir Alex Ferguson would try and um, sort that um, dynamic out between. Um, oh, they're uh, grand now, they're grand now, I think. Yeah. Um, Billy Conley for a bit of humour. And I'll go for um, Kirsty Gallagher, the sports presenter, and daughter of Bernard Gallagher, who I've had a bit of a crush on for 20 years, I'm sure. So that would, that would be my sixth, and I think it would be a pretty enjoyable evening. Deadly. Well, thank you, Gareth. And um, I might see you Thursday. Take it easy. <laughs> yes, that would be good. That was Gareth McNeely. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Gareth. Uh, definitely opened up my eyes to inviting more people in and on spectrums with inabilities and disabilities to come and try out this game of ours. So if you have a family or, or, or a friend or a relative um, in those in that type of situation, reach out to, uh, to Gareth, to me, to Brennan Lawler, to your local PGA Pro or indeed to Golf Ireland. Um, and get them involved and get having fun and get outside and put a social um, exposure let alone to possibly a new love of their life if you enjoyed this week's episode please leave a review if that's your thing there's probably a five star system on the platform you're listening right now on or if you don't do those things that's fine 
and I'd really appreciate it if you did share the show with your family and friends in a WhatsApp group or by Facebook Messenger or Snapchat, if that's how you do things. Uh, would really love to. On the down low, um, is that what the kids say these days? Um, Paddy Talks Golf 2023 calendars will be available in a couple of weeks, just in time for Christmas, so if you want to pick up one or five, uh, they'll be ready for you. I released 2022 in the middle of January, so I'm trying to do one bit better this year. PaddyTalksGolf.com for the calendars, and until we tee up again soon, I'm Paddy.